Your house can help you declutter. Okay, so your house can't actually declutter for you. I'm not talking about a robot house that helps you decide to toss things you don't need. But your house can help you stay decluttered if you design it the right way. So let's talk design. Hey there. Welcome back to Midmod Remodel. This is the show about updating MCM homes, helping you match a mid-century home to your modern life. I'm your host, Della Hansman, architect and mid-century ranch enthusiast. You're listening to Season 3, Episode 8. Keeping the house in some semblance of order has been variously prioritized for me during shelter-in-place. I must admit, knowing that no one will see my piles but me and Roxy is a little demoralizing. And my good friends know that housekeeping isn't my strongest suit anyway. However, I do really appreciate myself when I take the time to pick up the objects I've set down in the wrong place, to sort and recycle all that quarantine mail, and to generally battle entropy. I have a go-to phrase with my best friend, going back a few years now, from a time when one of us was giving the other, can't remember who, good advice, but sounding a little preachy, and then paused in the middle of saying, you should do this and you should do that, to say, of course, by you I mean one, and by one I mean me. We now reference it whenever we give each other advice that we need to take ourselves. So, when I lecture today about keeping your beautiful MCM house clutter-free, let's assume that applies here too. One way or another, though, it is an important topic. Feeling good about your home has something to do with design and something to do with the way you live in the space. And again, the theme of this season, while we are home 100% of the time, we want that home to be the best that it can be. So I come at clutter from a couple of angles. The first is that we can just all do better about the habits that create a less cluttered existence and then be happier with the results. And the second is that before you take on any remodel project, you need to consider that decluttering is step zero. You can't organize clutter, and you can't really remodel it away. It has to be addressed first. Certainly, you can't remodel around it. Even in the worst-case scenario, you need to shovel up stuff out of the way and put it somewhere else when you break out the drywall on the framing hammer. So why not pare it down before you relocate? I've talked about all this before, by the way. If you're looking for practical tips on decluttering, you'll find them in episode 206. But the third thing I want to think about comes back to something I was talking about last week. At the end of all of the ways that we are affected by design in our homes, I shared six design tips to consider before you finalize any remodeling plans. One was to make sure that you design storage for the things you regularly use where you regularly use them. This idea is key to keeping detritus down and out-of-place things in check in your home. So that's what we're going to circle around on today. I'm going to talk a bit more about how storage and organization manifested in MCM homes originally, and how we can improve on that today as we update and restore them. So let's talk design, specifically how to consider your remodel design, or even come up with a little weekend DIY project to help stop clutter right at the source. Done right, a mudroom can help you keep unwanted things like junk mail from ever making their way into your house. A storage spot next to your evening TV place can keep cords and coffee cups tamed. The right choices in your bathroom can prevent those lotion bottles from migrating onto the counters. So we're going to brainstorm together on how you can incorporate clutter-busting ideas into your remodeling plans. And again, if you'd like some pep talk and practical advice on how to let go of the things you don't need, and even how to make the process of doing battle with the back of your closet seem more manageable, go check out episode 206. There's a link in the show notes. Find those notes with more links and a handy summary of everything I'm about to say on my website at midmod-midwest.com slash 308. So decluttering is just one more adulting task that's never going to entirely disappear. And I bet we are all struggling with this a little more during COVID. 
And to that I say, hey, love yourself. If you don't have it in you right now, that's okay. But on the other hand, if you can muster the energy to declutter right now, it will pay dividends in terms of your peace of mind. You'll enjoy living in a home that feels more peaceful. You'll like being able to glance around your rooms without getting little visual cues of tasks that need to be done later. The thing is, clutter will build up in your home, and it will accumulate in a couple of key places around the house. It'll add up in the garage, at the entry that you use to come in from your car, that place where you would have a mudroom if you could, or even if you have one, it can be improved on. It builds up in the kitchen, because we gravitate there and spend time coming from other parts of the house and then starting a new task, so we set things down, and there they lay. It builds up in the places where we divest ourselves of clothes at the end of the day. That might be bedrooms or bathrooms, wherever your pockets get emptied. And it piles up where you do work. I daily have to shuttle a pile of snack plates and teacups from my desk to the kitchen. I bet you do too. So how do we address this? Well, one good way is by creating systems and baking them into place with your house. There's a theory in landscape architecture that I've heard to refer to as both cow paths or desire paths. Here's an example that explains it. A college has created a new open lawn between several buildings, and they want a designer to turn it into a park. Where should the paths go? The landscape architect could make their own best guess as to how people will want to cross the green space and where they'd want to linger. But if they guess wrong, college students will just cut across the lawn in different places and kill the grass. So another way to approach the issue is to leave it bare grass for a season, then come back and look to see where the naturally eroded walking paths are. Then you can design a park around those paths, pave where the people chose to walk. You could try this at home. Observe yourself and your family. You can conduct an armchair experiment, sit down and think it through, or have a real one. Go on a picking up strike for a day or a week. Your tolerances will come into play here and see where things start to pile up. Think of it as a moderate social experiment. When you found out where things are gathering, make note, those are your clutter hotspots. And hey, if you've been having a rough week, this experiment may already be in process. You can just look around the house and see where the piles are right now. I borrow that term hotspot from Marla Silly, aka Fly Lady. Again, check out episode 206 for more on her. Hotspots are areas in your house that can stay clean as long as you don't set anything down there. But as soon as you put down one piece of paper, boom, the whole surface is covered in hours or days. Marla identifies her dining table, the end of her kitchen counter, the coffee table, and a chair in her bedroom. Those are her hotspots. I have them too. For me, it's the butcher block in the kitchen, the spot next to me on the sofa, and yeah, a chair in my bedroom. It's uncanny. You have them as well, I'm sure. And with a little science, now you can discover where they are. So once you know where your hotspots are, how do you deal with them? Well, you could white-knuckle it. You could make a firm mental resolution not to let clutter build up there anymore. You can enlist your family and make it a project. Basically, you can try to prevent clutter with willpower. And sure, that might work. But it sounds hard and stressful. I don't recommend this as your only path to a clutter-free life. You could create systems around clutter. Make an end-of-the-day ritual or a weekly habit to circle the house and clear off those hotspots. Or call cleanup parties any time of the day or regularly at 3 p.m. with music for the whole family. That's more fun and easier to keep up with. But still, I think we can do more with design. Here's a baby step to address the idea with design thinking. Again, this comes from Fly Lady. Can you tell that I love her? She likes to protect hotspots from clutter with pretty objects. So you could choose a piece of art, a vase, a bowl, something MCM chic to give yourself a visual cue. 
You'll see it and you'll remember, hey, I don't set the mail down here anymore. This is the place where my fun Etsy find sits. It's my present to myself to keep clutter down. But again, that is just a preventative. So let's get to what I promised at the top of the episode. You can address the root of the issue with psychology and design. Start by asking yourself why things add up in these places. You put things in that spot because there isn't a better place for them. Once you've applied a little reasoning, you can then plan a physical change to the house that will help you break the clutter cycle before it begins. If you want more on this concept, I'm going to point you towards apartment therapy, which is now a general design website, but started out as a business and a book by New Yorker Maxwell Ryan. He started a home organizing business to help space-starved fellow New York City apartment dwellers maximize their homes and then wrote a book called Apartment Therapy, The Eight-Step Home Cure in 2006. You can still follow the steps in his free mini-course, The Cure, on his website, a link, or just read the book. It's still really good. One trick he stands by is the so-called clutter-filtering landing strip approach to your door area, and it is as useful in a Midwestern family ranch entry as it is in a New York City apartment. The most simple version of the landing strip, hey, he named it, not me, is a doormat to catch the dirt on your shoes, a series of hangers on the wall to catch your coat bags and keys, or dog leash, a level surface where you can set down what you're carrying to take off the other things. He ups it to include a mirror, check your face on the way in and out, and a small bin so you can drop unwanted mail or receipts from your pockets right in the recycling at the door. Think through these and decide what would work for you. You might add a few more things. You might be more likely to take off your shoes at the door rather than walking to the kitchen sink first if you had a handy bench to sit down on for a moment right by the entry. Think about how these elements grow and change over time. Start small, this very weekend, with a found chair from somewhere else in the house and a recycling bin and shoe tray from Target. The next time you plan a more intense project for your house, you can revisit this area and create a custom built-in or find a super antique mid-century piece of furniture to make that spot a destination all on its own. Let's talk a little more about the kind of storage you likely already have in your home. Because if you live in a mid-century ranch, you've got some storage. It may seem hard to believe if yours is packed to the walls with stuff, but mid-century homes were a huge jump up in terms of having built-in storage space. Here's what I mean. First off, we've got closets. Older homes may do with wardrobes or other furniture items as storage areas for their clothes and possessions. They had to be modified in more recent times to cut edges out of bedrooms and frame in closets in the corners to meet the demands of modern real estate. But the mid-century home building era coincided with a boom in consumerism that was answered by a new interest in built-in storage. Every bedroom got a closet. At first, they were like my house, little nooks with two-foot-wide doors. Later, they grew a little bigger and tended to have the now ubiquitous two-panel sliding door. They came up with clever sound-protecting ideas like zigzag closets between rooms. You know, two adjacent bedrooms share a wall, but between them is a two-foot-deep space with a closet that opens onto each room. It doesn't just give storage, it gives privacy. In fact, in my ranch, no bedroom shares a wall with either another bedroom or the living area, except this nursery, which is my office, that has a door right into the kitchen. Why? Garages also got bigger in the mid-century era, and it wasn't just for the cars. People needed more space to hold their labor-saving lawn tools. Even in a carport design, you often see a two-foot-deep bank of storage cabinets, which can close up to hold things like yard tools and lawnmowers. And here in the Midwest, we not only have our beloved basements, but we also have attics, where you can shove away less-used items. That's something a flat roof does not afford. Don't forget that the standard modern kitchen 
base cabinets, and upper wall-hung cabinets, which I don't love, was essentially a mid-century invention. Kitchens before our favorite era were furnished with freestanding stove, a work table, and a Hoosier cupboard or pantry unit. Okay, you're thinking, but I still don't have enough storage. I bet you don't. I remember when I moved into my own home and I laughed, calling it the house of closets. At the time, I was coming from a turn-of-the-century apartment in Chicago, a one-bedroom that I shared with my sister comfortably because we converted its tiny dining room into a second private bedroom. That was lovely, but it was not long on storage. So I looked around at all the closets in my ranch, three hall closets on the main floor, and a whole empty basement, and thought I could never fill it up. My mom laughed at me. Guess who was right? The thing is, I didn't bother to do much with those closets at first. I just put a few things inside and shut the door. Soon, I had clutter behind every closed door. Because storage in itself, volume, cubic feet, isn't going to help you stay clutter-free. And I discovered this pretty quickly. With a standard early mid-century closet, you have a rod, a shelf above it, and the floor. So you can hang things up, set them on the shelf, or stack them on the floor. But not everything we own fits into one of those categories. And just putting those things in those three places doesn't take full advantage of the whole area or volume of the closet. It can get junky pretty quickly. I see this all the time in homes that I design for. Mid-century homes around here, a few years later, have slightly larger closets than mine with the double sliding doors, but the same dimensions and interior organization issues, except for four or five feet wide. We all suffer from the same problems. They need better interior organization. The thing is, there were better ideas for organizing even in the mid-century era, Every now and then, you still come across a house with built-ins in the bedroom instead of a closet. This I love. Build right into the wall, you get drawers, niches, hanging areas, and display for personal objects, sized just for the things that you actually put there. But most of us do live in builder-grade homes from the mid-century era. They were planned and constructed with cost in mind. They don't have all the gorgeous details of shelving divider walls and built-in bedroom storage or carefully designed kitchen storage that the architect designed specifically for the homeowners of that house. The good news is that we can take inspiration from those in our remodeling, and it will fit right in with the era and style of a builder-grade ranch. In fact, one thing you can do in a bedroom is take down that closet door and frame in the entire closet space with a better organized divided storage unit. Then cover it with beautiful, fun, wood or painted mid-century style cabinet doors. The same is true in your kitchen. Just having a bunch of two-foot deep base cabinets won't keep you from shoving away the things you want all the way to the back corner and then forgetting that they exist. So when you plan your kitchen remodel, think about how you use it as much as how big it is. If you're gutting and redoing your kitchen, push the boundaries of your custom cabinets with personalized storage space, or explore the options for modern flat pack cabinetry. I really love what IKEA has been doing the last few years, because it often comes with endless options for customizing the pullout and stackable storage elements that fit right in, and tailor it to the way you really use your space. Remember and sing yourself this refrain as you plan. Volume of storage isn't going to win you peace of mind or a clutter-free house. This is what I think every time I see published floor plans for a contemporary high-end house or a remodel that features a giant, empty walk-in closet. That in itself is not a guarantee of a clutter-free bedroom. If you're planning a master suite addition to your home, I recommend against defaulting the contemporary walk-in closet and instead consider walk-by storage. What you can do here is thicken the walls between the bathroom and bedroom, or between your bedroom and your kids or public spaces in the house with a cabinet wall of storage. 
Close the doors in front of it, and it looks like a beautiful wood panel wall. Open them and grab just what you need, without having to walk into a closet that shows you every suit or pair of shoes that you or your spouse has ever owned, all at once, every morning and night. Perhaps, most of all, plan your entry areas right. We can do a whole piece on mudrooms one of these days to get further into this. But the secret is the right place to put away the right thing. The long and the short of it is, we need to be smart with our design choices to match our storage solutions to what we have and the way we actually live. Because I'm not Marie Kondo, and I bet you aren't either. Don't get me wrong. I love happening across an Instagram video of her rolling up a tie. It's so soothing. But my socks get paired, folded, and tossed into an overfull drawer. When I'm on top of my adulting game, that is. And I don't love laundry, so I have a lot of pairs of socks. Smart wool forever. Anyway, my point is, be real with yourself about what your level of tidiness actually is, and meet yourself in that place. Maybe what you need is a big bin drawer for all your shoes that you can toe open and toss an under pair right in. Is storing them all piled on top of each other great for them? No. But did it get them up off the floor and out of tripping range? Yes. On the other hand, maybe you're the kind of person and have the kind of family who enjoys tucking each pair of shoes lovingly into a hand-labeled pigeonhole. In that case, build or buy yourself that pigeonhole system. What I'm saying is, meet yourself where you are, and where your family is. Whatever you can do to set yourself up for success is a win. You can choose to organize or even DIY a small storage area this weekend, but if you're planning any scale of a remodel, that is the time to think about clutter-busting storage strategies. Before you finalize things, before you design a sleek and beautiful storage light remodel that doesn't work for the way you really live, Think about the objects you use daily and where they're going to belong. So, clutter and how to deal with it is an evergreen topic. But like so many of the things we've been chatting about this season, it's been highlighted and underlined by this crazy new normal that we're living through now. When you can't just roll your eyes at a dining room disaster and go out for dinner, it starts to take on more import. I've certainly been seeing my plans and opinions about my own house in a new light. Different priorities are emerging, and I want to put my energy into some projects that have been on the list for a while but didn't seem key. Now they're really important. So next week, I'm going to be talking on the podcast about how to plan a doable DIY remodel for your home, one you can take on right now, even if in the before times you might have been someone who either limited yourself to little weekend projects or who was saving up to hire out a big overhaul to contractors in the next year or so. Now that we're dealing with modified budgets, new priorities, and a burning need to keep everyone happy and peaceful in the house for who knows how long, you might be shifting your goalposts a little, and I'm excited to get into that with you on the podcast. But I'm also going to be doing a deeper dive on the same topic, how to pivot your remodeling priorities for the new normal, as a free video masterclass in the near future. If that sounds like something you'd like to check out, sign up to get an invitation at midmod-midwest.com slash new normal. No spaces. You'll also find a link right in the show notes. Those are at midmod-midwest.com slash 308. Grab the links I've mentioned to Fly Lady, Apartment Therapy, and more, and see an outline of what we've just covered. If you've got a friend who might like Midmod Remodel, please tell them about it. And you can always help new listeners find the show by adding a rating and review. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast to make sure you never miss an episode. So long for now, Midmod Remodelers. I hope you have a clutter-free week. 